You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Um, but without further ado, welcome everybody to the Talent Analytics Show. My name is Stacy Broadwell. I will be your host. And today we have Amanda Cole from Itaki. Amanda, welcome to the show. Stacey, I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you having me and welcoming me to the tech recruit community. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about your role. Yeah, um, I'm with eTechie. I'm the vice president and um, I have, um, my experience really lies within working with companies that leverage the um, the amazing area of contingent workforces and how they deliver services to businesses. Um, I also have uh, experiences that uh, align uh, with eTechie around HR tech platforms that do skill-based matching. And so kind of that's what brought me to eTechie and now I've been with the company five years. So, that's kind of where I got to, to you today. <laughs> That's a very good run. I like that background too. So tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. So what I've prepared for you today is um, kind of a walk through what the analytics around pre-submittal tech interviews include uh, and how Companies use the data as a catalyst for making changes to their recruiting process, as well as what the outcomes look like in IT hiring when you leverage that pre-submittal tech interview versus only doing technical interviews after a hiring manager has invested their time and energy into reviewing resumes. Really cool. Awesome. I will turn it over to you and um, I'll keep an eye on the chat and monitor uh, the Facebook Live as well. Okay, thank you. I don't know if I could be that uh, that uh, multi-talented and talk, so glad to, to lean on you there. <laughs> so let me do the uh, sharing here. Let me know when you can see my screen and all of yep. the everything in full glory let's see make sure there's not any thing obscuring all right is that good awesome perfect all righty so without further ado um so there are cues and tactics for restructuring your processes. Um, and we typically, recruiting teams typically see them as just frustration. Um, we know there's a lot of noise, a lot of clutter out in the market when it comes to reviewing resumes. It's well-documented, right? Um, so rather than saying, well, I just can't do anything about it and I do enough to keep up on um, sourcing, pre-screening, and I do my due diligence on keeping up with technologies to be able to talk to hiring managers 
and source for candidates. Like, how am I also supposed to keep up with with the the terminology and the, the knowledge to, to screen? Um, you know, there there are ways to actually work with technology professionals to get that tech screen, that understanding of a technology professional's uh, experience before the hiring manager gets frustrated um, with that lack of match. And that's what um, a, a pre-submittal uh, tech screen is. Um, so one of the major issues, whether it's a fake resume or a bad actor, um, I figured we could do a couple of polls if that's okay with you, Stacy. Um, so either here in, um, in Zoom or on Facebook, um, two-part question, if you know a recruiter or a hiring manager who's been burned by fake, um, either fake resume or bad actor, um, you know, say yes. And then what have you called these bad actors? Because different people have different terminology for them. Um, would love to hear what, uh, what, the, what the community here uh, has to say about that. So we'll come back and do a check-in in a few minutes. And I'd love to hear you read out what, uh, what people have to say about it. All right, so we're going to look at a couple of different cases here. Um, so this is a, um, a pretty high volume, but, um, but regionally focused staffing firm that focuses on Fortune 500 companies. And they were dealing with fakes. Um, so if you look at the technical interview for them, when when they started using pre-submittal technical interviews it was because of the feedback they were getting from hiring managers that that the people who they were talking to were not um, the people that were showing up for technical interviews the people who were showing up at work weren't the same people that were representing themselves in the hiring process okay um so what did we do what did that technical interview step do with with this company how did they change the tactic so they did some changes in their pre-screening protocols now you notice like there's still some variability because there's certainly spikes in particular technologies there's spikes when you have new recruiters come into an organization and you've got to teach them the new pre-screening protocols um, that maybe they didn't use at, an, at another organization. Um, when, when you have other vendors that you're working with, like, so there's a lot of different factors, but over time, as you can see, for the most part, when they introduced these different pre-screening protocols, and I'll share what some of those tactics are in a few minutes, they significantly decreased the problems they were having when they introduced the video uh, pre-submittal pre technical interview, okay? Um, so company two, they also decreased significantly their, um, their fakes over time. This is um, like an enterprise size staffing firm, deals heavily with um, layered kind of staffing um, wanted to quickly get candidates screened in and out. 
um, wasn't looking to necessarily submit those interviews to the hiring manager, but really just needed a checkpoint. Should we submit the candidate or not? Um, they were seeing significant challenges with, um, with those fakes, with unqualified candidates. And so what we were able to do with them over time was they were able to say to their sourcing partners, um, your pre-screening techniques have to change because the threshold uh, in terms of your MSAs with us uh, won't allow this any longer. And we can't continue to put our reputation on the line with hiring managers submitting these types of candidates. Company three, um, kind of a, a newer, newer type of um, newer type of client. But again, um, kind of that initial, um, they saw that definitely um, adopting this, they were able to identify pre-submittal. Uh, technical interviews definitely caught those bad actors in the hiring process, uh, brought in more in the company to use those um, technical interviews as a way to really qualify authenticity as well as, as candidate experience. And then um, we actually had, um, provided those best practices done by other adopted by other companies and they were able to quickly taper off the number of bad actors that are seen um, in um, in their screens so what do some of those look like um, so sam valu uh, who has presented at some of the industry conferences who we're glad to have as director of key accounts at our company, um, has done some uh, professional development in the industry on some of these topics. I picked three that, um, that we share when, um, when companies are considering how to restructure their, some of their pre-screening protocols that um, are quick and easy. And I figured Stacy that um, that your community might uh, find these kind of quick and easy ways to uh, improve their process. Um, so do you mind if I share these? No, that'd be great. Okay. So when you're t when you're looking and doing that research before you reach out to a candidate, um, you want to see are they established online. And I get that a lot of tech professionals are more leery of being on LinkedIn, right? But the age of that LinkedIn profile, is it proportional to how long they have, have been working in the industry? There should be a proportional number of connections, even if they don't have this robust profile with their entire descriptions, somebody should have endorsed them. There should be some some decent testimonials there um, those references about that person um, once you talk to that person when you're live on the phone with them start further down on the resume don't be uh, that that recruiter that talks about the most recent project start way down ask them who the project manager was on that look for that person on LinkedIn right then and there. 
try and, and match who, who they are, are referring to so that you can validate that and, and make sure and connect those dots. Because oftentimes that's where you can see that some things don't match up. Um, another way, and, and this is one of um, Sam's infamous tricks, is when you ask about an office location, um, so Itaki used to be in the, um, in the Rocky Point Center here in Tampa, and it had eight stories. And um, so, you know, if, if somebody were to call me and say, um, you know, so, so what floor did you work on when you worked at Itaki? Um, was it the, the ninth floor, the 10th floor? And, and they could look up by Googling Rocky Point Center when they asked me which location was I at and count the number of floors just by looking at the Google Maps picture. And if I said, oh yeah, 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 I was on the 10th floor. And they could clearly see that there was no such thing as the 10th floor or saying, where did you go to lunch? And looking up that, you know, there was no Applebee's close by. So that kind of gives you some clues on how to suss out whether or not um, that might be a, a bad actor. So, all right. Um, there's definitely more of those. Sam put out an ebook um, that if folks are interested, um, that um, he puts out on Twitter from time to time, a link to it. So, all right. So, Stacy, could you check in on the poll and see um, if we? which terms uh, folks may have used to describe um, some of this uh, activity that goes on? Uh, yes, so we have April Patterson who had said that the, uh, they call them not right. Not right. <laughs> I love it. Disqualified. Disqualified, Thank love you. it. <laughs> Okay, any others, any others? Those are good ones, disqualified GQ. All right, good, good. All right, let's, uh, let's go on. So next up, um, we're going to look at some uh, recruiting metrics. So um, my question to you is, I'm gonna talk about some metrics. Um, what metric are you focusing on right now? Um, how are you tracking it? Obviously, the metrics I'm going to talk about may not be the ones that um, are your highest priority, but it's always important as professionals that uh, we are focused on um, kind of those outcomes and outcome of, um, outcome based evaluation is the best type of evaluation. So um, encourage one another to always be tracking and evaluating yourself to become um, your best self. All right, um, so this particular um, example here is um, a high growth, uh, kind of early ad adopter mindset type um, uh, staffing company. They involve hiring managers in um, setting the scope of the pre-submittal tech interview. They share the video of every candidate who um, scores like above um, the top tier percentages of a um, of kind of that what the scoring would look like to the hiring manager. Their overall submit to offer is um, a 3.18, 
and submit to hire is a 3.4. Um, so you'll see in this case, um, they have a pretty high number of candidates they need to screen to get to the submit. They were one of those that had a lot of bad actors. Um, and so kind of overall that brought their um, that brought their initial number of candidates to screen high because in the early days they had a lot of, um, of candidates that were bad actors. Um, but when you really start to look at uh, overall, you know, they can screen four candidates, right? And have a hire. They could, I'm sorry, submit four candidates and have a hire, right? Um, once they get to that interview, they can pretty reliably have two candidates interviewed and know that one's going to get hired. From, from the interview, what, um, and we'll get into it a little more later, um, but it's really giving the hiring manager a bird's eye view. So this, um, this next example is a company that uses both a one-way video uh, interview for the hiring manager to get to know the candidate um, just from a communication skills and um, a general soft skills perspective um, initially and a pre-submittal technical interview. Uh, all, the all the positions are working remotely, so it's super duper important that um, the experience is validated, not just the competency and that um, all of those soft skills are, are really important. Um, their submit to offer and hire are both 1.3 um, for this company's recruiting team. They're just amazing overall because they have a process that has been honed to perfection. Um, so, you know, I, I, I give them kudos for what they've been able to do. Um, and, and pretty much it's every offer, um, every offer is accepted. So pretty cool. Um, so this next one, um, so a former technical professional, um, leads the sourcing team in, in this particular example. Um, he's now a project manager and they use pre-submittal technical interviews to market their NPCs. And in this particular case, they combine, you know, this person who has past technical and technical experience along with the pre-submittal technical interview to then um, take a proven qualified technical person and go out and market them and get them a position and literally have them a job within um, six weeks. So, you know, just different use cases. Ah, I I turned that off. Um, so just different use cases of ways that it works to move your hiring process ahead, um, you know, in a, in a faster and a higher quality manner. So this next one is um, an established solutions, IT solutions company. Um, they do some outsourcing of tech professionals, but a lot of their hiring is internal. Uh, their talent acquisition team uses it to make submit, no submit decisions primarily. 
um, versus actually sharing the interview reports with any hiring manager. Um, their ratios are definitely lower than industry averages. Um, they're at like a 6.1 for submit to hire and a 4.6 for submit to offer. Um, but they're not at, at what we would consider maximum effectiveness for pre-submittal tech interviews because they aren't proactively sharing the video. Um, and so when we switch, um, I'm gonna show you a couple of more corporate um, case studies to show you the difference in kind of more hiring manager direct involvement. I'm a quote person. Um, anybody on, on my team, Stacy will tell you, um, every meeting I come to, I bring a quote. <laughs> Um, so companies in, in this quote for me, it's, it's that companies don't typically understand the fiscal impact of maintaining the status quo. And, um, this quote, I don't know if you recognize the, the name, but is the, you know, former CEO of, of Disney. And, um, when it comes to doing technical interviews, it's the fiscal impact on the IT department. And it's the, the revenue per employee that a company can actually make if the IT team isn't doing technical interviews. And so when we look at optimizing IT hiring and the typical IT department, um, in this example is from a travel and leisure company um, that kind of pre-COVID, they were getting, they had 300 submits, 300. Now you can imagine that's a lot of different staffing partners submitting to one hiring manager that are all saying, these are my best candidates. <laughs> you have to check them out and all of the follow-up calls and the follow-up emails of saying have you looked at the profile yet and the hiring manager looking through every single one of those resumes and the blur that they have to be in at this point and finally deciding well you know I'll throw out a third of them and and moving forward with actually talking to 200 and literal well, conversation internally with i think we should go ahead with 200 more uh in, in the panel interviews and they ended up with 25 interviews for one hire so and this is not an uncommon kind of situation so once they actually did pre-submittal technical interviews, what happened was they moved to interviewing in the technical department two candidates for one hire. So if we were to calculate that up, um, there's a, a metric of a loss of revenue per employee or the revenue per headcount, okay? And that, that amount varies by industry. You know, your, your energy sector is, is like 1.7 million um, uh, uh, 
per employee a year. And so, you know, when, when we calculate this, we take an average across all sectors. But when I'm talking to, um, to somebody about this, uh, you know, we'll look at what is that for their company. And no one really thinks through that loss of revenue. So when you look at, you know, a, a typical IT department or a typical company and, and think about just in the IT department alone, we're not talking about the sourcing tools, the talent acquisition department's time, um, the loss of revenue for them, um, just the IT department, if they have 50 openings a year and just two interview rounds, that's $18 million a year impact with loss of revenue included. Has anybody ever presented that in this, in this group or to you? I don't see any um, comments on that. I, I certainly do know that there is massive value in having a pre-screening tool to um, ensure the quality of the submits before they even get to in front of the hiring manager. So I think this yeah. is really valuable. Um, looking at a at another um, at another corporate uh, scenario, in this one, um, the submittal interviews. The submittal interviews were driven by a um, were were driven by a director of. Um, uh, department director and at um, at the time of um, the data poll there were just shy of about 200 pre-submittal interviews and overall there had been um, just uh, over 20 hires and they'd ranged in from from computer science interns um, to software engineers that included front-end, back-end, React, um, software agnostic software engineers, multiple levels, uh, data science um, with R, data science with Python, um, kind of a wide variety of, um, uh, of different uh, professionals. And the particulars around their hiring process were five technical interview rounds and there was a range of anywhere from two to four tech professionals in each of those rounds. And so in looking at using the pre-submittal technical interview, because that's only the only place where they were able to really qualify despite having automated assessments before the, before the interview rounds previously. Um, using the, the pre-submittal tech interview, they were able to actually reduce it down to two technical interview rounds internally instead of the previous five. And just in that six months, they've saved a significant chunk, um, investing only $11 million internally, including that loss of revenue. 
uh, amount instead of what they would have spent um, 24 million or what they would have uh, what it would have cost them, which is 24 million. So that's kind of the um, different use cases, the different um, data around the use cases of the analytics that we're generating here um, in um, in the industry around technical um, pre-submittal interviews. So what questions do you have? And what questions do, do the, does the community have? I don't see any questions at the moment. Um, so eTechie then is a, is the platform that is the pre-screening, um, the pre-screening tool for for that stage, for the pre-interview stage, is that right? We're we're one of the we're one of the market players. We're not the only, but yeah, we're one. Yeah, and, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. <laughs> I mean, there and, and staffing firms have been doing technical interviews pre-submission for years, right? It, you know, it's not a new concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it can be. It's certainly if you're thinking about the. Uh, I'm trying to bring my <laughs> my video back on. Do you want to stop sharing your screen? Sure. Sure. And we'll uh, we'll do the side by side. Unless you had other um, slides. No. To share. The, no. That's it. That's the slides. Uh, okay. Great. Um, let me bring my view on. There was a, a question in the chat. Are you able to see the chat? Let's see. What level entry junior senior of tech talent are the most tricky to screen? Oh, good question. Um, so, so tricky is, um, is an interesting word, um, is an interesting word choice. Um, the model, so there's different models. Um, the model that, that we recommend is a project-oriented interview, one that kind of leverages what we all know is more of the behavioral interview, but uses technical concepts as the the probing scope uh, component to the interview so that regardless of, of where the in, uh, where the candidate's experience has been, whether it's college projects or boot, boot, um, coding camp projects, they can answer. Um, or if they're mid to senior, they can talk about whatever those projects are. Um, if it's an interview that's basically a Q&A, you don't need to pay a technical interviewer to do that. That's what your automated assessments are for. Yeah, yeah. It, that can be a, a huge variable in that. And so so the program works across uh, small companies, large companies. You mentioned earlier in the show it being on the contingent, more the contingent workforce. Well, that's just the, the delivery model. Mm. That, it, that, that you guys deliver it for the contingency, your clients are contingent workforce? 
our, our delivery model is contingent. Um, the interviewers themselves are independent contractors. Explain that model. I, I don't understand how that works then. So in order to be a technical interviewer, you need to be somebody who works in technology full-time, not right. somebody who's a full-time oh, right. interviewer. Mm -hmm. So therefore we don't employ interviewers solely for the purpose of, of interviewing. Mm -hmm. So our, um, so the, the staffing industry has, has, um, consultants that it uses to do interviews. Um, some companies use service, um, platforms like eTechie, um, or they use other platforms. Um, there are platforms like eTechie that are geared directly for corporate and eTechie serves both in the corporate and the staffing world. Okay. All right. So that's, a. Uh, so any other questions in there regarding like the, the types of questions? So, so it would be geared more towards the technical cause those are like the harder positions to fill, like, you know, because Definitely. the questions can be a little bit more. And, and you mentioned that they could be behavioral as well as technical, like a coding review. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your best technical interviews are ones that have the candidate tell their story, why they're a good fit for the position. And then the interviewer uses technical concepts to poke holes in the candidate story, right? Uh -huh. So what version did you use? Why did you use it? Um, what components of that did you use? Um, how did that work? Why did you do it that way? You know, obviously I'm not technical, right? So I'm not gonna, start pulling out the jargon here. But when it comes down to actually working through the technical detail uh -huh. of the, the coding language, the, the database, the, uh, the approach, when, when all of those are brought together in the conversation, that's where the whole project comes into the picture. So, you know, job description has has a complete stack and the conversation from the candidate is is a, a whole comprehensive one so it's golang it's mongo it's it's express it's angular you know they're they're talking the full the full comprehensive interview so this is an interesting distinction so let's just posted something that you can be in in the comments here that you can actually be an e-techie interviewer um, and do freelance. Um, so you can actually apply to be an interviewer. So I guess in my mind, I thought these were like, uh, like a platform, like a tool that the candidate, the, the software engineer would log on to and actually do a test, but it's actually given verbally by another person in real life. It's not correct. A, oh, okay. That's interesting. Correct. Okay. Correct. So yes. So that's where, um, the delivery model is contingent. So they're independent contractor interviewers. Yeah. Now I'm getting it because I was like, where is this contingency delivery model on? I thought it was just a platform. You sign up for it. Okay. So it's actually people who are, are who are giving these technical reviews, pre-screening them before they go into the interview phase. Interesting. So 
in in uh in implementing this model into companies what has been some of the challenges i'm just curious like when um because obviously it's it's a great solution i mean it saves time it saves money what have you but um what are some of the challenges is is it more like for a smaller company a larger company who has high volume you know has to hire hundreds of software engineers where do you find you best fit in so the largest challenge is, is typically um, recruiters and IT uh, coming together and making a joint, um, making a joint uh, agreement, right? Okay. That, that there's tension, there's tension all the time with um, why are there so many unqualified candidates? Why aren't you accepting the candidates that I'm I'm sending? And it's this constant push and pull. Um, and I, we t I talked about that status quo, right? But it's it's change management. When are we willing to do something different and create a a new norm in in our recruiting process? And so that biggest challenge has been how do we change the attitudes and the norms and no longer make qualifying and technical experience, the hiring manager's responsibility. So what does one need to be, or what background do they have to have? Do they have to have a technical background in order to um, help the deliver, uh, delivery of this service? Yeah, yeah. Your no, interviewers. They need to be a cloud architect if they're gonna interview a cloud architect. Awesome. They need to be using Kafka, they need to be using Kubernetes, they need to, they actually have to have direct hands-on experience using the tools and technologies they're going to interview for. Oh, so these are like software engineers interviewing software engineers. That's exactly. brilliant. Exactly. Yeah, this has been around so for five years now? Yes. <laughs> Um, that's, so when do you find that the, cause I, does this take up somebody's, if they're doing it freelance or, or however it is that it looks like it's freelance opportunity. Um, yeah. are they doing it full time? Is it, is there so many, um, needs for this or is it something that they can do in their, you know, as a part-time, you know, side hustle? It's a side hustle. It's a side hustle for tech professionals. Cool. Yeah. They do it evenings, weekends. If they're, you know, um, they do it lunch hours, they do it between meetings. Now, does the yeah. company ever have any stipulations or the client that they that there could be, I, I don't know, privacy issues, um, you know, with, you know, so, some companies don't even like to put what technologies that they're using within the job description. You know, it's very vague sometimes. And maybe that's not a client for you guys. I mean, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we're one of the best secrets in the industry. We have to sign a lot of NDAs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. We have to sign a lot of NDAs. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had it just a, is what uh, it is. an interviewer? who turned around and was like, you know, doing the screening and said, I would like to work for this company. <laughs> Has that ever happened? I'm just curious. You know, um, I think once in five years, we've had to deal with that, but we've got a strong culture of integrity. Mm -hmm. 
It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. We work with um, a lot of amazing people who have a passion for raising the standards in their profession, talking tech with their peers. Yes, they can make some side money um, doing what they enjoy, but they get to learn from each other as well, having these types of conversations. Do you have any um, advice that you might give after the pre-screening and somebody has actually gone to the interview phase, right? So they've done their pre-screening, they've been submitted to the hiring manager. Do you have any advice that you'd give um, you know, teams on how to structure those interview processes once somebody's in the door? I mean, do you feel that panel interviews are best, one-on-ones? Do you have any advice there? So, um, I would say setting, um, setting up kind of guaranteed response times. Um, I also say that panel interviews can be very intimidating, uh, to the candidate, right? And so from a candidate experience perspective, yes, it's efficient for the organization. It's efficient for scheduling with the candidate. And yes, you're trying to reduce time to hire, but minimize what you need to make the decision. Set in advance, you know, what is it that we're really trying to get out of this interview and who absolutely has to be there? Instead of saying, oh, you, you wanna join us? Oh, you wanna join us? And just bringing everybody to the party, right? Uh, because the more you people you bring, the, the, the more intimidating it is for them. Um, and, and know in advance like what that agenda is gonna look like who's going to ask the question, what the purpose of the question is. Don't just come in and ask questions to ask questions. Yeah. And oftentimes I think too, if there's multiple rounds of interviews to ensure that your teams are focusing on different elements of the core competencies of that you want that candidate to have or the team dynamics and understanding what those core competencies might be. And if there's four core competencies and maybe have one person interview for that core competency Mm -hmm. and then a second and third and a fourth. So it's not duplicated. Have you ever been in an interview and they ask the same questions? (laughs) I mean, certainly prepare for the one that says, so tell us about yourself. (laughs) I mean, Right. right right yeah we had a customer we had a customer recently say okay so we're gonna have some knockout questions that we're asking the candidate should we also put those in our special instructions to the interviewer and it was like we don't need to ask the same questions to the candidate a second time they're gonna think <laughs> they're stuck in a vortex and we're <laughs> hey didn't i answer these once you know it, it's okay if you've gotten the answers already let's just you know, let the hiring manager know that they answered them correctly the first time. Not necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Design the process with the, with the candidate in mind. Um, you know, technology professionals are familiar with user experience. And as recruiting professionals, if we put that user experience uh, hat on, uh, when I work with with our um, support center team and our product team. And I do this activity, right? A a peanut butter and jelly sandwich making activity. Have you ever done this in like a team building activity? 
So you, you hand them a, a loaf of bread and a bottle of peanut butter <laughs> and a jar of jelly. And you say, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like you've never, like you've never made one before. Don't do anything that the other person doesn't expressly tell you to do. So when somebody says, put the peanut butter on the bread, you literally take the loaf of bread and hold it in your hand and you put the jar of peanut butter on the bread. Oh. Because the user experience is you're just setting the jar on there, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be specific. You have to um, break the user experience down into um, like you've never made the sandwich before. It's the tie to take out the piece of bread, etc. Um, and so design the, the recruiting process, design the interview experience um, as somebody with a fresh perspective, somebody that, that you want to have a, a lasting thought and that lasting positive brand experience as well. So it's a little bit of marketing hat, right? A little bit of that product engineering user experience hat. You know, I think some might, uh, the question might come to mind how come you don't just have somebody from internally a tech professional from the team do the pre-screening why well, have to hire another company and i had um todd davis actually on a couple of these shows he's on our board of directors as well um, our board of advisors and he was talking about how they re-engineered uh, re the interview process because what they were finding was a lot of the candidates weren't making it through past certain panel interviews and oftentimes it kind of comes down to the bias and the egos of the interviewers if they are maybe it's their project or you know they're bringing somebody on but you know egos can play a big role in whether or not somebody is is brought on to a team and whether they feel like maybe they're intimidated by that person or maybe they're not a team player or I've seen teams actually set up really, really difficult um, tasks in an interview that they knew no yeah. one would be able to solve. Like whether it's like, you know, I think it was in an infrastructure team where they had them come in and there was these cables and like this wired spaghetti mess and they said, okay, fix it. And, um, you know, the four guys just mm -hmm. sat there and watched this, uh, this uh, potential candidate try to figure out something, but they knew they wouldn't be able to fix it. They just wanted to see if the guy would turn around and ask for help. And I think setting people up for failure and just seeing how they deal with a frustrating situation, um, I mean, certainly there's many thoughts on whether or not that is that is ethical even. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, right, Amanda. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, I have, the, the data over time will tell, right? Um, but I do think that there is extreme validity in bringing a third party to the table to validate technical experience. Um, and I've had some discussions with some of our corporate hiring managers around that same, that same um, concept where they see a path to increasing diversity in the hire, in their hiring um, process because they can kind of abstract the location of the candidate. Um, they can they can ignore you know the college, the the prior employers, and really just focus on the technical acumen. 
and be more objective around can the person do what they claim they can do. And so that independent uh, perspective, I think is something over time that if companies will embrace having a third party um, could be something really amazing for diversity inclusion. Totally. I mean, that was going to be the next thing, like the diversity and the inclusion and just the, the rates there that, um, that in those interviews that you, you often are faced with the bias and that's where the, the stumbling block, the bottleneck happens and overcoming that with, with solutions such as this is, it's brilliant. Um, so very good. Thank you so much for this uh, presentation. It's been really, sure. really educational and I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Amanda, if anybody wants My to pleasure. get a hold of, what's up? My pleasure, thank you. <laughs> if anybody wants to get hold of you, how can, how can they do that? I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. Just look me up, Amanda Cole. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Cole on LinkedIn. That's what everybody says. They're all like, I'm on LinkedIn. And the website, <laughs> if, if you want to give everybody the name of the website. Sure. Thank you. It's um, etechie.com, E-T-E-K-I.com. Um, and um, we appreciate uh, the time that you've shared with us today, Stacey. I, I, what I like about this is offering software engineers who maybe we can't use for particular roles if they're looking an opportunity to do other work. I mean, I think it almost reminds me of like Uber driver, like, you know, somebody's doing something, they have their own job, but maybe want a side hustle so that maybe they can like, you know, drive an Uber or something um, or, you know, work for Uber Eats, you know? Um, so I think it's just a, a really, yeah, it's like an additional way to make money. So I, I like that. Their mind. Yeah. Keep, um, they, uh, they can use their tech. Networking, I mean, right? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So very cool. Definitely send your uh, send your your tech connections to us. Uh, we appreciate that. Wonderful. Well, if you'd like to hear about uh, watch the show again, you can see it on uh, techrecruit.io where we post the replays of all of our shows. And um, next week's uh, schedule will be up there as well. Every Wednesday, we're back here with the Talent Analytics Show and every Tuesday with Dueling Sourcers. And October 20th through the 22nd is Talent Congress 2020. And you, of course, can find all the, uh, the agenda and all the information for that on the techrecruit.io uh, website. And we'll look forward to seeing everybody next week. Have yourself a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.